Welcome to The Compliance Files, brought to you by Compliance Institute. The Compliance Files is a unique podcast series, giving you access to industry insights and key perspectives on how the evolving regulatory landscape is driving change, bringing challenge and opportunity for compliance professionals everywhere. Hello, and welcome to the Compliance Files podcast of the Compliance Institute. I'm Kathy Jacobs, former president of the Compliance Institute and a compliance professional for 20 years, and it is a great pleasure for me to host this podcast. The Sustainable Finance SkillNet Deep Dive Skills Report, commissioned by Sustainable Finance SkillNet Ireland and Sustainable Nation Ireland and researched by Deloitte, find that sustainable finance is quickly becoming mainstream and will fundamentally change the entire financial sector with regulation acting as an accelerator in prioritizing skills and training. It adds that sustainable finance is not a short-term trend, but a permanent shift from niche to mainstream, representing an entirely new focus in finance. It recommends that in addition to changes to third level programs, sustainable finance must be part of the professional education and continuous professional development for finance and business professionals. So with that in mind, I'm delighted to welcome as a guest on today's podcast, Laura Wadding. Laura is a partner in Deloitte's risk and regulation team within the risk advisory department, specializing in governance, risk management, compliance and culture in financial services, as well as being Deloitte's sustainability lead partner. Thank you, Laura, for talking to us today. Hi, Cathy. Hi there. Laura, we'll start at the beginning and just if you could paint a picture for our members who aren't so familiar with this topic, um, what is ESG? Sure, Cathy. And I mean, ESG is really a set of principles related to environmental, social governance objectives or goals. And it, it's effectively derived from the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. And, it, and it's it's that effectively that's what it is a set of principles or goals related to the environment social principles and also governance sustainable finance is the mechanism by which esg initiatives are funded and that includes things like green bonds green loans green mortgages green funds impact investing government grants private funding so the whole sort of financing of um, esg initiatives in order to achieve certain objectives. And how is ESG different in contrast from sustainable finance? Well, well, the E, the S and the G are the principles that drive what we consider now to be sustainable activity. Um, and, but sustainable finance is really concerned with the, uh, at a very broad level, it's concerned with the redirection of capital towards that sustainable activity and actually away from um, the unsustainable activity. Could you just explain to our listeners why does this matter? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, this is this is part of, you know, a, the transition that um, we as 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 a, a planet uh, need to make, um, you know, to which is primarily driven by climate concerns and, and what we're calling a climate crisis to keep the um, increase in the temperature of the planet um, below a certain level. Like that's the science. So, so a lot of um, the objectives that firms are looking at with regard to their sustainability strategies and things like that, 
um, they're based on, on science-based targets and that's that's the kind of fundamental aspect of this. Um, but then are, of course there are also um, social and governance um, considerations as well with regard to the impact that we're having on society. Um, the, the ESG as a set of principles and sustainable finance um, as a as the financial mechanism you know to achieve the principles like those two things are really connected as well there's a there's an eu taxonomy which is being developed and that's being developed to define what activity is sustainable and what isn't and the taxonomy underpins the corporate sustainability reporting directive and the sustainable finance disclosure regulation which are the the two big emerging regulatory frameworks with within which the financial community and corporate world are required to make disclosure. So um, the intention is that as more money is directed towards sustainable activity, disclosures are made about that so that it's really transparent to everybody and we can see then um, you know, the effort that's sort of going into to sustainable activity. But it, there is a fundamental reason for doing that and it's related to climate change. Okay, so if, if sustainable finance is a kind of a mechanism for driving out the ESG agenda, has or how has ESG product growth or sustainable finance product growth evolved over the num- last number of years? Yeah, and, and you know, it's not a new concept. Impact investing has been around for quite some time and some investment houses have had it at the heart of their strategy for many years. Green funds have been around for years. Green bonds have been around. Um, what we're seeing now is effectively all financial players having to consider ESG in their portfolios and the need for new ways to finance the transition has given rise to the development of more green bonds and other financial vehicles. Investors are demanding more transparency from their the companies that they invest in. Those companies are looking for greener investment products to invest in. It's actually becoming quite circular in nature. Um, and it's absolutely the intention of the regulation to bring about that outcome. And how can individual firms uh, embark on this journey and gain some sort of sustain, you know, credibility in this area? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing to do, and you know, and I, you know, that's quite self-reflective as well when I think about this and what we're doing within our own organisation. Like one of the first things to do is to bring bring in the expertise. Don't assume. Don't assume that you have it. There are a lot of unanswered questions related to sustainability. Not everybody, ha- you know, nobody has probably all the answers. Um, so I think it's really necessary to bring some of that expertise in-house to help with the thought process and help with the, the strategy development and that sort of thing. The next, the next thing I would say was extremely important is to develop a clear strategy. So, you know, just have a, pl- have a plan in place um, and, and then, be comfortable to communicate that strategy. Um, transparency is an absolute key in all of this. So, so you have to be comfortable with what you've said you're going to do, the progress you're making against that plan, um, and your ability to disclose to your key stakeholders, your shareholders, your customers, where you are on that journey. I think that's that's really important. Um, there is an element in all of this to, to accept the way things are today, you know, we haven't made the transition yet. We're in the process of doing that. So there's a level of acceptance that needs to, um, I think, you know, filter into all of this, but then have a plan to continuously improve. I think that's that's probably the key. 
Yeah, it's that initial kind of penny drop moment that we all need to have in order to kind of embark on, on the journey and start making the changes that we need yeah. to make. Laura, um, it seems to me that sustainable finance is not just about product. Um, it's a whole new focus in, in finance. How do you think it will change the financial services sector? So I think over time, um, it will actually change people's access to financial products. And the the example that I can think of um, with regard to that is probably green mortgages. Do you know, so like in the future, the likelihood is that um, if you want to buy a house and it doesn't have a good energy rating, you could have difficulty actually financing that. That's ultimately kind of the intention of, of where things are going. Um, so I do think it's going to impact people's access to finance. Um, the regulation itself will have a massive impact on the sector um, because firms have to upgrade their risk and compliance framework, their product offering, their customer and stakeholder engagement, their own skill set, their talent model, their organisational structure. Um, they have to look at their own corporate sustainability strategy, their own carbon footprint, develop a talent model that's fit for the future you know, and the future needs of, of um, what people want and how they want to work, um, which has been really sort of uh, impacted over the last couple of years during the pandemic. They need to be more tech enabled, they need to prepare for the transition, but also the physical risks that are present if we don't all transition. So we will either all be successful in this and we'll transition and that requires a lot of change in order to do that. The likelihood is that we won't do that 100% effectively and will still carry some transition risk, um, which includes, you know, more global pandemics, rising sea levels, coastal erosion, hot countries getting too hot to be inhabited. Like, they're all real risks that we that we're living with today. Um, and so there, those risks will continue. So companies have to think about that risk management element as well. So it's quite um, impactful on a sort of large scale, especially for um, firms in, in the financial sector who have a global footprint you know they've got a lot to think about in terms of what that's going to look like in 20 30 50 years time yes and that will filter down ultimately to consumers and and users of financial services yeah, yeah. that's a really good picture that, that you've painted there laura given the expected regulatory imperative and the part that we as a profession and in, in second line compliance could you just describe maybe what the skills in the second and maybe even third line oversight roles would be required to ensure that we've got a handle on upstream regulation and that that we're playing our part yeah second and third line yeah and you know in my experience which is you know 20 years working in or with compliance professionals um the second and third lines um, from my perspective, have developed a lot of the skills um, that are needed. So they already have, they already have them. So they they know how to be inquisitive, how to challenge the information that's put in front of them, how to perform assurance testing. You know they're they're competent in the principles of risk management, the escalation of issues, all that sort of thing. I would say that the knowledge levels of ESG concepts, you know, the taxonomies, the regulation, training is an absolute must on that. And it's changing all the time. So training will need to be updated regularly and provided on an ongoing basis. So I would say that's probably, and it's back to um, 
you know, when you mentioned Cathy's skills assessment in the financial sector earlier, training, education, that's absolutely key to raising the levels of awareness in the technical um, concepts and the science side of it in order to apply the skills that are there already in a really effective way. Moving on to, to some of the regulation, um, the, the EU definition of sustainable finance refers to the process of taking due account of environmental and social considerations when making investment decisions, leading to increased investment in longer term and sustainable activities. So how is how is sustainability being ingrained or embedded in ESG in, for investors? Yeah, so I mean, as I sort of alluded to earlier, many managers, fund managers, investment managers have been, they've had this ingrained, so to speak, for years. Um, but for the ones that haven't, the sustainable finance disclosure regulation is more or less forcing their hand. So the, the baseline for that regulation is to include an ESG risk assessment in all investment decisions. And there are very, very few managers to whom this wouldn't apply. It is absolutely intended to capture almost everyone um, and for the more experienced ESG managers they're the ones who are looking at um, article 8 and article 9 categorization because those um, provide that under the SFDR those provide a higher standard of sustainable objective setting than simply assessing the risk and so for the for the managers who haven't had it incorporated um, thus far Article 6 of SFDR is, is sort of requiring them to do that from a risk assessment basis. For the more experienced managers, they're looking at Article 8, Article 9 to be able to say that actually we have a clear um, sustainable investment objective um, or and characteristics in the in the fund, in the portfolio. And so they can sort of give their investors a higher level of comfort that um, there's an element of green in the product. Yeah, well, it's good to know that regulation is a positive um, in, in this area and that is actually driving um, and motivating change. We've seen with the, the COVID-19 uh, pandemic, uh, the critical need to, to strengthen sustainability and the resilience of our societies and the ways in which our economies function. Um, what is required to ensure a, a green recovery from that particular crisis? and support the pre prevention of other pandemics in the future? So the, this is a huge question. Yes. <laughs> so I'm gonna try, yeah. I'm gonna try and um, not have a, a huge answer um, yes. because so much is needed, you know, to prevent or curtail pandemics of this nature in the future and to, and to recover from it economically and socially. Um, like, I don't know what, what your experience has been like, but you know, I see a massive social impact for people after the pandemic, you know, their ability to carry on as normal, their ability to do things the way they used to, or the reversion to doing things the way they used to, like it's, it's having a massive societal impact. Um, and it's so closely connected to, you know, our, the climate crisis. Um, you know, it's all interconnected. These things don't just happen, you know, sort of um, in a vacuum. And so the, the change that's needed um, for all of us, you know, it's not just an Irish, an Irish problem, it's a global problem, it's a matter for everybody. It's about what we consume and what we waste and how we live. 
Um, it's also a matter for big supply chains, you know, global corporates and corporate governance. It's a matter for our policymakers and our regulators. There's literally no silver bullet to this. Um, the transition to a safer world is a massive undertaking. It comes with a huge price tag, huge societal impact. Um, you know, it's great for me to be able to say that I work in this space, but sometimes I have to admit that it's a bit overwhelming. Yeah. You know, so I so I do think that um, you know, we've got we've got lots of capability, we've got lots of specialists working in this area, we've got the science uh behind the targets. We've got the, the social science behind the impact of, of all of this. We've got uh, the experience of living through a global pandemic, which I hope has taught us quite a bit about, you know, how, you know, how much we would like to avoid another one of those. Um, and then we've got we've got the sun splitting the rocks today, uh, which is quite unusual in Ireland, although I do remember quite um, sunny summers when I was when I was much younger. Um, you know, and it feels like it's great to have a summer um, with, you know, high temperature, mid 20s temperatures. But that that's a, you know, it's a real indicator that um, things are not the way they should be. Like it's, you know, and in some countries that's a real um, risk. You know, it's it's dangerous weather. It's not happy summer weather um, for everybody. So So there's all of these signs around us that we need to change. We've got lots of really good advice about how to do that and um, some of us will be able to make a massive impact and some of us will be able to make slow incremental impacts and that's fine it's absolutely fine as long as we all accept through our professional capacity or in our in our homes with our families as long as we all accept that we all have a role to play and um, i think you know we're going to make significant progress yes i mean the pandemic was a real life test of operational and societal resilience really and as you say it, it's personal it's business it's societal it's regional and it's global yeah. um but we all we all need to start with ourselves and we all need to examine yeah. our own yeah. behaviors and habits and um, and and kathy as well to kind of be less more accepting and less judgmental you know like i do feel sometimes there's a no-win situation um, and, yes. you know, like you, you if when you're trying to help, but if you might try and help um, an organization who's who's had some reputational issue and that's you, that can be seen as a negative, like we're we're nobody should feel that way. We should all feel that we're that we're going to support each other through this and um, that we've got a role to play, that we accept, just accept the way things are right now and, and make plans to improve like that's really you know sort of the a fundamental in all of this and be less judgmental yes yeah um and also i think we need to connect the dots because you know mm. we treat every like t today's heat wave is like well this is new but it's not you know it's it's, it's actually a sequence yeah. um which includes the pandemic which we all thought was new but it's not we've had pandemics before it's been pandemics in other parts of the world yeah we we really need to, to join the dots on it and start making start making the changes and ex and, and demanding it of others but not in a judgmental way yes absolutely yeah yeah as the eu moves towards hopefully climate neutrality and steps up its fight against environmental 
degradation, the financial and industrial sectors will have to go undergo large scale transformation. Although the financial sector has made some progress, what else do you think we need to do to get to um, the climate yeah. targets of 2030 and 2050? Now, I know, I know what I'm about to say could be somewhat controversial, right? But, you know, firms need to stay stay committed to this and don't let other issues derail the plans and, and the strategies. Keep it as a priority. Easy, easier said than done when you're in the midst of um, huge issues of political unrest and like the Russia's attack on the Ukraine. Like that had a massive impact on the focus that um, and the attention that uh, organizations were paying to the climate crisis, for example, and it had a knock-on impact on supply chains and all of that sort of thing and the price of fuel and, and whatnot. It's that, it's that, that chain events um, and that can derail an organization's sustainability strategy. A pandemic can absolutely derail um, a strategy that's that's forward thinking because organizations have to stop almost stop what they're doing and turn all their attention to firefighting and reacting to the problem that's facing them today because sustainability is such a for so the benefits the impact of a sustainability strategy are forward looking and sometimes it's decades into the future it's hard to prioritize that today but it's really, really important because you have to continue to make progress for many, many years in order for us all to be successful in the transition. Yeah. I would say second to that, don't work alone. Collaborate, lead, influence, help others. We're all in this together. You cannot win by being the best at sustainability if you're the only one that's doing it we won't transition if that's if that's the case you know so if you're the best at sustainability you need to share that wisdom capability resources with with others that are who are not the best at it you know i think that's really really important and we absolutely see that as an imperative in all of this to partner with other organizations to connect with your competitors you know in in a sector and and talk about how you're going to do this together like that is really really important and then i would say after that so once you have the basics um in place the next um area especially in the financial sector is to is to innovate so think of new ways to tackle the problem develop new solutions new technology break away from the pack lead from the front use the incredible resources that are available in the financial sector to really make a difference and I think the financial sector is really well positioned to do that. I also think, you know, seize the opportunities, maybe, you know, there are some kind of malign actors out there who, who want to see this as a tax or a cost. And it's, you know, a conspiracy almost. But, you yeah. know, there, there are real opportunities to make um, Absolutely. changes for the positive. And even I would love to see Ireland as a... Um, uh, a leader in you know the the, the new technologies uh, um, and I think you know we're really placed well placed to do that so you know I think it is about seizing seizing the opportunities yeah um, Kathy, well. yeah I, I absolutely agree um, with regard to Ireland's position and uh, we are really well positioned and we have really great stories to tell with regard to how we have supported innovation 
over the last number of decades. Um, there is some, there, there are other things at play, you know, we, um, from a policy perspective, Ireland, we just need to make it a bit easier for firms to establish here and to, to be innovative, you know, make sure they have access to resources and, and efficient, energy efficient premises. And we, we need to up our game there as a country, but we absolutely have the ability to do that. Totally agree with that. So getting back to the corporate level, what does good corporate ESG leadership look like? So, so I think taking ownership is the first step. You know, this isn't somebody else's problem. It's, it's all of our problems. So, you know, good corporate leadership starts with taking ownership and being accountable for what you said you're going to do. There is an element of bravery that's needed. Sometimes when I, when I talk to some of our clients, you know, one of the first things they'd ask is, well, what are our peers doing? You know, can we benchmark? We don't want to be, we don't want to be first out of the gate, you know. So there's definitely an element of bravery, even if what you're saying to the market is not what the market wants to hear right now. Um, I, I do think that, that 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 bravery comes in there, you know, to to um for corporates. You know, I mentioned it already, but helping others, I think, is the absolute key. Private enterprise has uh, along with the along with the state the public sector the government the policymakers private enterprise has a huge role to play here in terms of um developing capability and talent and financing the transition um and so i think we'll probably see more ways um you know for uh, private and public um collaboration over the next few years I think that's going to be really beneficial but one way or the other if you're if you're in leadership in a corporate environment you know one of the things that must be on your agenda is you know how can I not just get my own house in order but how can I help others to do that too so collaboration and we've reached the end of our uh, podcast and our conversation here Laura I mean as you say this is an enormous topic um so if Lyft listeners want on their own initiative to, to educate themselves a bit more, um, do you know of any sources where they could go to find out more on this important topic? I mean, how many sources? <laughs> it's everywhere you turn at the moment. It's it's a bit of information overload, I, I would say, which is which makes it difficult. Um, I tend to keep an eye on what's happening at an EU level and also what also what the Central Bank of Ireland is saying. Um, and I, and I keep an eye on what the government is saying, like especially the Department of Finance. Um, and I stay connected with specialist industry groups. So, you know, we work alongside Sustainable Finance Ireland, Chartered Accountants, Irish Funds, BPFI, Insurance Ireland. And that helps me stay on top of sectoral developments. There's lots of courses coming up, not least, you know, to mention the first in the world sustainability course for compliance professionals how could we not mention it exactly like that that's what we need you know and so um i think people working in in the financial sector will have a lot more resources available to them that are specific to the sector and relevant to the roles that they're in and that's going to be crucial um, and look, of course, all of the consulting firms have something to say about this. So there's lots of sort of publications, thought leadership, um, information online with the with the the big consulting firms as well. 
you know, which is a, a useful source of information from time to time. And then we, so me and my team, um, we're always happy to talk about sustainability. You know, we 100% acknowledge that we don't have all the answers. So we're always keen to connect with people who are living this and actually having to incorporate sustainability strategies into their into their professional life. Um, and so we're always happy to have the chat um, and happy to be contacted. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Thanks, Laura. And if I could throw in one that was useful to me and certainly was a penny drop moment for me was Mark Carney's book, Values. He has some great um, and he does explain kind of the risks and you know what the risks yeah. are and and kind of very accessible language so if i could throw that one in as well um, yeah, just something that personally uh, to me was was really yeah. good i'm i'm looking at it here it's on my desk behind the laptop and the other one now that we're on the topic of of reading net positive okay it was recommended to me um by a a really experienced sustainability professional in the, who's a non-executive director She's been working in the space for a long time and she recommends, and it's apps, it's about corporate leadership and sustainability. And it is really inspiring. Okay. Do you know yeah. who the author is there? That is by Pullman uh, and, and Winston. Okay. Yeah. Net, net positive. Net positive. Brilliant. Okay. Well, maybe we'll, we'll cascade those out to uh, um, our, our, our listeners in, in, in some way, maybe in our newsletter. Yeah. Um, or in, if, if you can in, in, in the notes to this this podcast um well we, we've reached the end of our our discussion laura thank you very much um for, for sharing your expertise on this topic um it's very good of you to um give us your time actually i know you, i know you, you're very busy on in this area <laughs> so thank you very much um Not at all. really really interesting important messages there you know once you've hopefully had that penny drop moment it, it bring in their expertise, develop a strategy, communication, the importance of communication. You've talked about how training is important. And of course, come to come to the Compliance Institute. We we have um resources on that ourselves, even you know, we've had some seminars on that, and we will be rolling out our, our education program soon, hopefully in the autumn. And and the importance of staying committed. Um, and yes, you're right about the the Ukraine crisis exacerbating actually this you know we can see the impact that is having and, and to seek out support we are we are all in this together literally yeah. um and to be brave I, I would also draw your attention to our listeners to we have another podcast on this on specifically on sfdr so if anyone wants to hear a bit more um Anne Sheil, another esg expert spoke to me on on this regulation and and we have that podcast so do look at that episode up as well so um th thanks again laura and thanks to you for listening to the compliance mm -hmm. files podcast brought to you by the compliance institute um i do hope and i'm sure that you find that um this episode very interesting and, and useful and we would be very grateful for your feedback if you would review or rate this podcast um so until the next episode goodbye Thank you for listening to this episode of The Compliance Files. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you are listening to ensure you don't miss out on future episodes.